Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning, everyone. We're going to start with a public service announcement, okay? There we go. Beware of scams. Now, just last week, 26th of September, Mothership published a very scary story of a victim that lost more than $34,000 in two days to a scammer on Telegram. So here's what happened. The scammer says, would you like to earn some commission? You just rate airlines online, and that's all that there is. But there's a catch. To make your ratings credible, you have to put in some money. So this person says, all right. How much? Um, the first payment, $112. Not too bad. And she gets a commission, $11 back. Very good. But before she knows it, the amounts get higher and higher, hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. And then the scammer scoots off with all the loot. And guess what? Most of the victim's money was borrowed from her elderly mom. It's a terrible story. It makes our blood boil. But friends, there is a master scammer at work. He is our deadly foe, Satan the father of lies. And this week, we're continuing our sermon series in the book of 2 Thessalonians. And I want to carry on from what Pastor Matt brought us so powerfully last week about being unshakable and spiritually vigilant. And we're going to look at the topic that we don't normally treat very much in Covenant's pulpit, the topic of spiritual warfare. And that's why we've entitled the message, Facing the Foe. Now, in his book, The Evangelical's Guide to Spiritual Warfare, professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, his name is Charles Kraft, he says that many evangelical Christians, that's you and me, we act as if the enemy does not exist and we go about our business as if the evil in the world is explainable in some other way other than the fact that there's an enemy behind it. We live in a battle zone and we don't know what to do about it. Now, some of us hear this word, battle zone, applied to the faith, and we, we shudder. We're like, I, I'd rather not have anything to do with spiritual warfare. Or we think spiritual warfare is just a Pentecostal thing. It's a charismatic thing. Hey, we are E-free, you know. We're evangelical free. What's it got to do with us? But, you know, the, the last I checked, the evil one doesn't discriminate based on which denomination you're from. He doesn't say, oh, you're Ephraim, I give you a chance. It doesn't work that way. More seriously, some of us could be haunted by past experience where there was an excessive emphasis on spiritual warfare in the church. And everything bad is just blamed on the devil. And there was a harping on, on warfare that, that went way overboard. And led to over-spiritualizing things or misdiagnosing uh, psychological problems even. But just because 
There is extreme and unbiblical teaching on spiritual warfare out today. And we admit that. Hear my heart, my friends. It doesn't mean that we have an excuse to ignore a biblical view of spiritual warfare. Because the foe is real, we ignore the foe to our own peril. Now, there are two kinds of foes that we must watch out for. First is the foe without, the external foe. This is Satan, our adversary, the evil one. But there's a second foe, the foe within. I think you know what I'm talking about when I say that we can be our own worst enemy. When we give in to the tempter, we give in to our sinful nature, and we basically let the devil have a field day in our own backyard. That's what happens to us so often, isn't it? So we're going to look at these two foes as we open up the scriptures. I invite us to honour the reading of God's word. So one thing we can do, we're going to read that in a moment, but open up your scriptures, please, uh, and follow along with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. And we're going to read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now let me put before us today, the passage teaches us three things about our mortal enemy, the foe without. First, he is present. And some of you would say immediately, duh, I didn't come to church on Sunday for you to insult my intelligence. But this fact is not quite as obvious as we think it is because it is one of Satan's chief tactics to get us to live as though he's not there at all. Because if there's no foe, why the need for vigilance? Now, in this passage in 2 Thessalonians, we heard last week about the man of lawlessness, this great drama. You don't really know who this man of lawlessness is, but he, he, he takes the throne. He's the usurper. But this week, what's, what we see in the text is that, imagine with me the curtain rising, rising, rising. And we see the puppet master pulling the strings behind the scenes. He's the puppeteer. He's the hidden one. And he's named in verse 9 as Satan. The word Satan comes from Old Testament Hebrew and means accuser or adversary. Say with me, accuser. Now in the book of Job, the Satan or the accuser appears before God like a public prosecutor. And he brings a charge against Job. In 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1, a Satan, an adversary, say with me, adversary. Now he incites David, God's servant, to dishonor God by taking a census of the people. My friends, make no mistake, you have an enemy. You have a foe. He's anti-God. He's anti-everything that God does. And he's anti-you. Why? Because you are precious to God. Each one of you, precious to God. And so the evil one, God's enemy is your enemy. 
I want you to know also that he is powerful. Verse 9 says that activity of Satan happens with all power. It's stated as clearly as possible. Friends, we have to understand what we're up against. And we so often underestimate the foe and we overestimate ourselves. And we assume that we, standing in our own strength, that we're able to withstand the foe. Sometimes it happens because we see these cartoonish depictions of the devil with horns and pitchfork. I think these pictures actually cause us to belittle the devil, to underestimate him as a silly myth from medieval times. And it plays right into his trap. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, Our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The complacent saint is much more easily consumed by the devil. I'll say that again. The complacent saint is much more easily consumed by the devil. Now, the third thing. Our foe is a pretender. His main weapon is deception. He doesn't create good. He only counterfeits it. Now, verse 10 tells us that Satan, acting through the man of lawlessness, employs all wicked deception. This means he will sell you anything, anything that you buy, any lie that you buy, he will sell it to you, including fake signs and wonders we see in this verse. My friends, we must be as alert to the evil one's deceptions as we are to internet and phone scammers. Now, let me suggest for our reflection this morning, there are two ways that he deceives us. The first way is that he baits us with good that he cannot possibly deliver. Now, this is the tactic of every single scammer. Now, think along with me, right? Temptation is only tempting because something that looks good and appealing is put on the table, isn't it? Now, by show of hands, how many of us have been tempted recently to eat a mouthful of slimy slugs? Stun silence. Exactly. Nobody, nobody goes for breakthrough weekend to be delivered of the temptation to eat slimy slugs because there's nothing good in it. But with Satan's temptation, it doesn't work that way. There's always something good on the table dangled before us to lure us away from God and all that is good. And it might surprise you, Satan tried this trick on no one less than the Lord Jesus himself. Now, Matthew 4, 8 to 9 tells us this story. We're all familiar with it, right? Of how the devil took Jesus to a high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and dazzled him and said, all this I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, we're so familiar with this story that we miss the mind-blowing audacity here. This is Satan, the father of lies, telling Jesus, the King of kings, that he is offering the kingdoms of the world as a reward. This is a reward he's not fit to give. It's a reward he doesn't even own. It worked the same way with us. My friends, beware Satan's empty promises. Beware his fake rewards. Let me play devil's advocate and try to recount some of them for you now. He says, just visit this website. No one will know. Just a few clicks away, pleasure awaits. Or he says, 
Just fudge the figures on your spreadsheet slightly. No one will know. Nobody knows this spreadsheet except you. And your payoff awaits. And after we take this bait, and the next bait, and the next bait, Satan delivers not the price that we're looking for. He exacts a terrible price, far more than we were willing to pay in the beginning. The defilement of our souls and the destruction of our lives. My friends, hear me today. That is his end game. He wants you destroyed. He wants your family destroyed. He will stop at nothing until he gets that. So firstly, he deceives us by baiting us with good that he can't deliver. But secondly, Satan blinds us. He baits us and he blinds us to the goodness of God. He works by discouraging us. He drives us to despair. He whispers corrosive lies that are like acid. They, they, they melt us from within. They cause us to turn away from God. Now, this movie, every time I preach, some movie will make its way in. So this was the recent Marvel movie, Multiverse of Madness. Frankly, not one of my favorites, but there's a scene in there which illustrates what I'm trying to say. So the major baddie, for all you Marvel fans you already know, is the Scarlet Witch. And she's trying to destroy the good guy's fortress, Kamataj. And try as she might, she cannot get through because all the warriors of Kamataj are putting up their shields, magic shields, and forming this kind of force field around Kamataj. So the Scarlet Witch stops throwing her laser bolts at Kamataj and she tries something different. She comes down, she floats down like a ghost and she whispers into the ear of one of the warriors. And the warrior starts to panic. Fear grips him. He turns, he runs. And the next thing you know, panic spreads. Different warriors are abandoning their posts. The force field comes down and she has a field day. She has the fortress all to herself. Isn't that how it works with us? The devil whispers lies that tell us to turn and run, turn away from God, curse God. Again, devil's advocate, the devil may say, are you sure that God cares for you? If you are so sure, how come you are suffering now? Are you sure that God will provide? Who say one? If he said that he will provide, why does your situation look so bleak, so hopeless? Are you sure? Are you sure that God has called you to serve him? If he's called you to serve him, why is there so much pain in the offering? Why so much sacrifice? Are you sure he's called you? Did you hear correctly? I don't think it's worth it. Why don't you give up now? My friends, are we able to discern when the evil one whispers these dangerous discouragements to us? My burden today, we've got to pray for a spiritual awakening and alertness because it's our birthright as sons and daughters of the king. But more than just alertness, God is giving us an authority, an authority that we can take today against the schemes of the evil one. Can I hear an amen to that? 
and authority that He's given us, not because we are great, but because He is. And this is exactly what it says in Ephesians 6.13. It's a powerful command. And I'd like us to read this together on a count of three. One, two, three. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm, my brothers and sisters. But what's standing firm? Standing firm is not beating our chest and saying presumptuously, Ha! Devil! Aiyah! Who scared who? Bring it on! That's presumption. When we stand firm, we stand firm humbly. In a posture of dependence, desperate dependence upon the Lord. Because only He enables us to stand firm. Remember the power of the foe. That's why it's called the armor of God. It's the armor that God Himself gives us. I, I show you that picture of Kamataj because I want to tell you about a significant difference that we have with that movie. We are not putting up our own shields against the foe. The Lord Himself is our shield. The Lord Himself fights for us. He's fighting for you today. He's fighting against the foe without. I want to turn our attention now to a second foe, the foe within. Why? You see, there's this important truth we need to grasp today, which is that when we are in Christ, the space that the evil one has to work in our lives is the space that we give him. And so it's not enough to know the evil one's tactics. We must know ourselves, our hearts. Now, Sun Tzu is out of war, and I'm not just quoting him because we have the same surname, right? Has this saying, it says, 知己知彼,百战不殆. In English, it means, if you know yourself and the enemy, you need not fear a hundred battles. Now, in 2 Thessalonians, 2 verses 9 to 10, we find a warning to know ourselves and to watch our own hearts. Where do we find it? In the text. Now, when we read carefully, you will discover a reason why God allows deception, delusion, the lawless one, and all of that to flourish. And the reason is this, that people refuse to love the truth and be saved. Now, refusing to love the truth is a spiritual condition that gives the evil one an open door and opens us to demonic darkness. Now, we cannot resist the evil one when we ourselves are resisting God. Can I say that again? We cannot resist the evil one when we ourselves are resisting God. We cannot refuse to love the truth. But what's that about? Loving the truth is not just about loving precepts, ideas, these are important, but it's about loving a person. You see, the Lord Jesus didn't just come to teach us a way, teach us principles, Tao. He came to be the way. And so loving the truth is about loving our Lord. And God doesn't program us to love Him. Love is a free choice. And I want to teach us today about this staggering free will that we have in God. And the free will means that we have the freedom to reject God. Do you know that? Sitting here in this place, listening to my voice, you have the freedom to reject God. He gives that to you. 
Now, if you and I were God, we might create people with a bit less free will. We want that control. But God has given us free will even to reject Him. But now the verses go on to tell us what happens when we reject Him continuously. And this is what it says in verses 11 and 12. It says, Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You're scratching your head. You're like, what's going on here? God is now sending delusion. I thought Satan was the deceiver. Wasn't that what you said earlier? Now, what Paul is saying here is not that God is the author of delusion, but that if we continually, if we habitually reject God, He gives us delusion as the reward of that rejection. Effectively, God is saying to us, and I paraphrase, in the end, I will respect your choice. If you reject Jesus as the way, have it your way. If you don't want the truth, you are welcome to your delusion. Now, that was my rendering. C.S. Lewis has a much better way of saying it, and he says, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Only C.S. Lewis can speak like that. Very clever. But do you get the sobering message that he's bringing to us? If we tell God, God, you leave me alone, leave me alone, he finally says, sure, I will. And we become our worst enemy. My friends, beware the foe within. So this is my heart cry for us this morning that we will ask the Holy Spirit to shine his spotlight and searchlight into our eyes, into our, not our eyes, our hearts, maybe our eyes also, because we're actually blinded, isn't it? Blinded to ourselves. And I don't imagine for one minute that what I'm saying to you is easy. Because when the searchlight of the Holy Spirit comes, when we ask, Holy Spirit, help me discern my, my heart, what I truly love, what I truly desire, the, the, the process is it's not easy one. It is not pain-free. Let's ask ourselves some hard questions. Now, is God truly the king of our hearts? Is he the center of our love and our affection? Or perhaps we find ourselves doing the Christian thing, religious things, coming to church, attending CG, but you scratch a little bit beneath the surface. Our love is not directed to the Lord, but to the world. Or how about something even more challenging? Maybe the Holy Spirit is lovingly pointing out to us, and He says that to many, many ones of us here. Maybe we are not so different from what the Apostle Paul describes in verse 12, that we are like those who take pleasure in unrighteousness. It's a heavy, heavy searching question. Our appetite for the things which grieve God may be so big that it's out of control. And our appetites, our desires, our addictions, 
are so dark that they, they form patterns. We cannot break. We cannot break them because we love them too much. And we say, God, help me. And when God shines His light, His searchlight into our hearts, we say, we say, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. We, we just want to run away from God. But this morning, if you're hearing me and that's you, this is stirring in your heart. I urge you not to run away from God, but to run to God because the very fact that you know that something is not right, that your appetites are out of whack, is a sign that God is still at work in my life and your life. Hear me, my friends. If God has not given up on you, you have no right to give up on yourself. I'll say that again. If God has not given up on you, you have no right whatsoever to give up on yourself. Turn back to God today. Don't quench the nudging of the Spirit. He wants to give you a new heart and birth in you a new appetite, a new appetite for God and His kingdom. Okay, before we go into heavy stuff, we go into some lighter stuff, all right? Let's talk about appetite for a moment. Just the other week in Boogie's MRT, I saw this huge advertisement, and I'm not a big fan of McDonald's. Disclaimer, okay? And I'm not doing a product placement. Double disclaimer. Now, this ad equates eating a samurai burger with honoring your appetite. Now, the word honor is a very heavy word. But I think the ad illustrates something about the nature of appetite, including spiritual appetite. That you can honor your appetite, how? By feeding it, isn't it? You can honor your spiritual appetite. So, please do not take the wrong application point and you know, 400 of you rush to McDonald's after this service ends. That's not the point here. But it's about cultivating our appetite, honouring our appetite for God. Or perhaps more accurately, won't we ask the Lord, Lord, would you cultivate my appetite? Won't you cooperate with the Spirit today? Uh, Lillian led us in an old hymn. Here's another one that we can make our prayer this morning. It says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here is my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. Doesn't this song reflect our spiritual condition, prone to wonder, Lord. Not a single one of us here says, God, I am not prone to wonder. Seal my heart for your courts above. Now, I want to speak to some of us here who, as you're hearing me, you're, you're beginning to be more aware that there are areas in your life, there are burdens, there are blockages, there are breakages, there are deep wounds. And you say, I need an extended time to deal with this. I need, I need more help. I need the fellowship of God's people. And you're please, God, break into my life. I lovingly urge you to consider taking time to attend the breakthrough weekends at the end of the year, to sign up. Now, the, the good news is this, my friends. 
Nobody is going to ask you to sign up for all three breakthrough weekends. Now, you can consider signing up with your CG and make this a shared pilgrimage where together with the band of brothers, band of sisters, they say, God, break into my life. God, enough is enough with the, with the dirt, the bondage in my life. I want to break free. But one more thing, if you sign up with your CG for the marriage breakthrough weekend, don't sign up with them. Forget your spouse. That part is also very important. Now, I want to invite the worship team up as we draw our time to a close. And I want to conclude with two pictures this morning. These pictures are metaphors for what God is calling us to do. Now, the first call of God is the call of the Father. We sang about Jesus as our friend. He's our friend. He's our Father. He's calling us compassionately. He's calling us to repent in faith, to turn to Him, to confront the foe within. Who is this foe? The foe is our own heart, our own hardness. The foe is us opening the back door, the back gate, allowing the evil one to run wild in our own backyard. But there's another call this morning. And the call of God is a call to war. Now, in the days of old, this was called a clarion call. The days of old, when, when people fought wars, there were bugles and trumpets that were used to assemble the armies to call them to charge. Today, do you hear the Lord's trumpet calling us to arise as God's people? Arise in our families. Arise to face the foe without to be part of his kingdom that's going forward. Now, this is a word in season for us as a congregation here at the East as we move to Suntec on 1st Jan 2023. 1st of January, we will be in the new place. And this is a preview. Some of us were there at the prayer and praise on Friday, feeling, seeing, sensing what God is already doing already doing. My, my friends, when we move from this place to Suntec, let me share that it's something like in the book of Numbers when the, the people of Israel, now the, the, the presence of God, the cloud of His glory went before them and they packed up their camp. When the cloud moves, they pack up and they move, they settle in the next place. And that's what it's like in our move. We're not doing this because it's a great idea, saving money, It's because God is calling us to move. He's leading us and we're stepping into what He has promised for us. I want us to catch that as a congregation. But make no mistake, what happens when we follow God's leading and walk in all His purposes? When we plunder the gates of hell by His power, there will be pushback. There will be pushback. There will be warfare. I'm saying this not to frighten us. But if there's a reality of warfare out there, my friends, would you rather not know? It will happen. There may even be times of discouragement. We may be tempted to give up or to quiet quit. Or the devil will try to divide us, husband and wife, in our CGs, 
even with your leaders, so that we fight against flesh and blood, not against the real foe. But when these demonic assaults come, my friends, will we persevere, standing firm on the victory that our conquering King has already won for us? Now, when you are really down in the dumps, it's really bleak, you're really facing the battle, remember one thing. Remember Pastor Matt's Wong Fei Hong skit last week because what he was trying to tell us was that the devil is a defeated foe, amen. He's not defeated because the Lord exerted a lot of effort beating him. The Lord beat him with a breath, that's it. That's all it took. That is the victory we are standing on today. But I also want to urge us to pray, pray, please pray. Pray for our pastors, pray for Senior Pastor Tony. Pray because the battle is real, the battle is intense. The evil one is at work. And let's pray for one another. You know, in Israel, they, they have this thing called the Iron Dome. It's, a, it's, a, it's warfare against rocket attacks. When we pray for one another in your CGs, in your family, oh, that the, the defense we put up is greater than the Iron Dome against all the flaming attacks of the evil one. And finally, we must praise and exalt the one who is, who was, and who is to come. God the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He fights our battles. He fights our battles. Our God, the Lamb, the Lamb who was slain, slain from the foundations of the earth who takes away the sin of the world. The God who breaks every chain. How many of you believe right now chains can be broken? Yeah? Come, let's bow our heads as we respond to the Lord. As we respond to the Lord. I want us to first pray for ourselves. I don't know what has struck you from today's sermon But right here, right now, chains can be broken. Right here, right now, demonic deception, discouragement can be broken. Thank you, Lord. Just allow the Lord to sweep across the space He's moving. all of us I just want us to put our hand over our heart right now and just repeat this simple prayer with me it's only got three words come Holy Spirit shall we say it together come Holy Spirit let's say it again come Holy Spirit let's say it again come Holy Spirit come Spirit come move in our hearts right now Break every darkness. Every false desire. Every false desire. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Invite us now to stand, all of us, standing in this place.
There's a saying in covenant, I believe it's from the scriptures, that we fight not for victory, we fight from victory. We fight from victory and different ones of us, we've got, we've got dark battles that we're fighting in our life. And the battle could be in your family, could be in your workplace, could be in your own heart, your own struggle with sin. But right now, we're going to use this song, The Lion and the Lamb, as a proclamation. I want you to sing that over your life, sing that over your family, sing the reality of God into your life right now. Because He's here. He's here. He's here.
glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word. And we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.